Hey, everybody. I'm Andy Weinberg, and welcome to episode 62 of the David Wasikinen in the Pocket Podcast. Pete Pios. Yeah, I know that number. Dave with the obscure Eagles reference. I love it. I love it. Hey, yeah, we're coming to you live on phillyrockradio.com, and uh, we're on wildfireradio.com, and wherever else you get your podcast. Hi, Dave. Morning, Andy. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great on this Good. on this beautiful, windy morning. Yeah. Um, we have on. We're going to have on the line in just a minute. Uh, I know one of your heroes, Dave. Love him. One of the best love drummers on the planet. Indeed. A longtime Fairport uh, convention drummer. Um, uh, Dave Maddox. Dave Maddox. Yes. 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 Lost my place there for yeah, a second. But yeah, I can't wait to talk to Dave. But uh, before we get Dave on the line, I do want to once again mention our great sponsors. And uh, once again, this week, we're brought to you by School of Rock Mainline, where Dave is a mm. teacher. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, what a program. And, it, and it's, every week I go in there, I'm, I like to thank Wally. It's like, Wally, thanks for bringing me in here because I just have such a great time giving lessons there. Uh, it's a great program. Uh, and, and again, and, and what they're offering, I don't know if you uh, see if that's written down there, Dave. If you mention our podcast, you get a 20% discount. And it's so cool because I got a, I got a student. Uh, someone taking the lessons that just started with me, and he's already in the Hart versus Fleetwood Mac show, because I, I, he could groove right away. I mean, he could f- sit uh, down. How old? How old the kid is he? He's in. Uh, he's a sophomore. Okay. He's a sophomore so. school, but but we start him as early as I mean. Well, they I, start. I they him. start over there at six years old. Yeah. They have the uh, uh, Rock One Hundred and One program. Yeah. So you go in there with really pretty much no experience. They'll start you right there at six right years on. old. They have a beginners program for adults as well, yeah. and then of course all levels of, yeah. of uh, musicianship. They'll help you out. It's yeah. School of Rock Mainline. They're located on Five Eleven Old Lancaster Road in Berwyn, yeah. Pennsylvania. Mention us. Mention us. You get twenty percent <laughs> off. Six one zero six four seven twenty nine hundred or Go on schoolofrock.com and then click on locations and, sh- and shoot for the Berwyn location, and you'll have Dave as a teacher yeah. if you're playing drums, or Wally Smith if you're playing yeah. keys. Yeah. It's just a great opportunity to, for uh, young musicians to really hone their crafts and right. turn into exactly. rock stars. <laughs> well, so, I don't know about the rock star thing, but yeah. they can do the rock star because you know it's cool. They get to play on a stage with full on gear with a great like. When I looked at it, I tell the guys, I'm going. Oh, I didn't have this growing up. You know, it's it, such a great It's a great, great opportunity. Yeah. So, yes, uh, School of Rock Mainline in Berwyn. Again, 610-647-2900. Yeah. Uh, and I want to take a moment once again to talk about a good friend and our ongoing sponsor, Gabriel Bernard. Hey, the, Gabe. the real estate market is thriving across the country. It's a great time to invest. Gabriel is a hardworking, hard-money broker who has connections with multiple private lenders and banks. So if you're looking for an investment or business loan in Pennsylvania, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Texas, or Washington, he'll find you the best possible loan. No tax returns are required with loans up to $4 million that close in about 10 days. Construction loans, rehab loans, refinance, or other hard money loans with no prepayment penalties and rates as low as 7.75%. You can reach out to Gabriel via email at gbernard at brookwoodusa.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-W-O-O-D-U-S-A.com. Or you can call or text him at 206-777-3680. And, of course, we're again brought to you by our great friend Eric Metz at CroakerPercussion.com. Croker Percussion is dedicated to creating quality handcrafted percussion instruments with superior sound qualities and unmatched craftsmanship. 
Again, you can v- visit them at CroakerPercussion.com, C-R-O-A-K-E-R, Percussion, or call them at 215-669-8588. Do you want to add playing, something, uh, Yeah, I was going to say that I, they, I was at the Delaware Drum Show over the weekend on Sunday, and his setup is was just fantastic. And everybody, it always seems to be one of the hits of, the, of, that, of that show, because guys come out and play at uh, uh, Gavin, uh, oh, God, I'm... Kevin Carter, the, the guy that was doing the, the clinic there, went over and he played and he took one of the shakers. I mean, they have just incredible stuff there. That's cool. Yeah. So, so Eric thanks, does Eric. A great job. And, and he, again, he's a great friend of the show. So we, we appreciate the support, Eric. Yeah, right. All right, Teller, do we, uh, do we have Dave Maddox on the line? The legendary. Uh, we do. Oh, <laughs> Dave's we- up in uh, uh, Massachusetts. Is that where we're uh, talking to you? Yes, indeed. Is it a little chilly up there today, Dave? Um. It's Boston weather. What can I tell you? Yeah, right. And I remember last uh, <laughs> last uh, spring. Um, I think it was it was it was bit, even getting to the point where it was a little humid here. I got on a flight because I had to go up to Zildjian because we were leaving on a tour, and I flew up there. And I got off off the plane. I walked out, you know, to get my rental car, and I was like, "It's cold here, man!" And it was <laughs> April. I was like, "Wow," you know. Yep. But I took that, you know, that ride from I went from Logan. I guess is it still called Logan out there? I drove from the from the airport yes. out to Norwell. Yeah, Logan Airport. Yeah. Yeah, I drove out to Norwell, which is a nice drive. I always love it. I do it in a day. Um, although this spring, I'm going to drive out and come back. Uh, I'm going to spend a night with my wife and hang out there because we love it so much. But uh, hey, listen, I. We're thrilled to have you on the podcast today, my friend. Well, I I appreciate the invite. It's very nice of you. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, we, uh, I was listening to, uh, Nonsuch, the XTC, uh, record, uh, on the way over today because, uh, I was telling Andy here that when I was, uh, I, I, I had a, a roommate, uh, a guy that I played in a band with, uh, a guy named John Kuzma, who's no longer with us, but he was just nuts over XTC. And uh, every morning I'd wake up to um, uh, an XTC record being played, blaring, waking me up, which was not bad, you know, because they were such great, uh, great records. And and um, it was something that I knew about you, that you, you played with XTC and recorded with them. And not only XTC, but so many great Oh, we, we don't even I mean, have time to go through the list. I mean, of all you had a, a re- remarkable that, career, Dave. It's 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 amazing. But I I just have to tell you that I think it might have been 1978, 79. There was a Peisty booklet. I don't know if you remember the brown small booklet that Peisty put uh-huh. out, and you were in that. And and if I'm not mistaken, you were playing a Rogers drum set, I think, and you had Peisty. And I remember I this was one I used to pick up those pamphlets um and my my teacher i took lessons from joe casadas in new york at a place called the modern drum shop so i'd always get these pamphlets and i would stare at them for hours like as if they were going to change or something and i looked at your photo for days and hours on end and and you know checked out your setup because i wasn't um as much as i was um uh you know reading the credits and and looking at that i wasn't very familiar with your your playing at the time oh, and I, or I didn't know it at the time you know there were so many records that you probably did records that you played on recordings that you weren't even listed on I'm guessing because that happens a lot but um, uh-huh. I was very familiar with who you were and then in the 1980s when I joined the Hooters Eric 
was a huge fan of Fairport Convention. And, um, you know, the name Dave Pegg was something that I would hear his name and then your name and Richard Thompson's name and that whole, uh, uh, you know, in Philadelphia, um, because we have the Philly Folk Festival and we had some really, really great radio DJs. They would they would play um, great folk rock, uh, a genre that, you know, we had Philly International and then we had some great, we, we just, I just figured they played that everywhere, but we were lucky to hear bands that most people didn't hear. I found that later. And so we would hear bands like that. And Eric, Eric, uh, uh, Bazillion would, would, uh, would hit me to what you guys were doing, of course, and Ned Shockey and, and David Dye and people like that DJs that would play it. But man, um, and then, <laughs> one quick story, the Hooters, I think, I don't know what year it was, but we played a festival called Midfins, and um, you were, uh, 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 Fairport Convention was playing, and um, I think uh, a few of us met some of the guys from Fairport Convention, and Dave Pegg, for one, and uh, what an amazing uh, uh, career you've had, my friend. I've been very fortunate. Um yeah, I, I, as I was saying, I, I, I'm sorry. By the way, I'm sorry we got we got cut off. I don't know quite what happened there. Um, what I was saying, very, very, yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been very, very fortunate, and and whilst um, I'm very proud of the associations and, and the people that I've been fortunate to play with, I, I, I tend not to look over my shoulder too much. I mean, I, I'm, I'm certainly. Uh, it's it's something that 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 I'm I'm aware that I've done and it's and it's very cool. But I'm 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 still playing and I'm still yeah. making music. Yeah, so I know that. That it, that that moves on. I should also, by the way, so, so that I don't run into any trouble with the uh, Zildjian police. Um, <laughs> I should um, I should I should explain that I, I had a love affair with with Paiste symbols for that lasted about six months around that time. <laughs> Me too. Which was which was uh, and and uh, they don't I, I don't want any any players to take this the wrong way. They they make wonderful symbols. They yeah. really do. They they make great symbols. But um, after after six months, uh, it, it, the sound on the cymbals changed, and I just realised that it wasn't really right for me, and I went back to Zildjian, yeah. and I've and I've been with them ever since. So yeah. that, that's just to get me out of trouble with the um, <laughs> with the uh, with the Zildjian with the Zildjian police. They're so the best. To elaborate no on doubt, that. no doubt, they're they're the best. I'm, I'm you know I've been playing them since 1985. And I wouldn't even right. consider, you know, I'm always, I go to NAM, I go to shows and I play other symbols and, I'm, you know, they, they, uh -huh. symbols are getting better, but it's still when you're, when you're driving the Rolls Royce as you, uh, uh, just a figure of speech, it, why well, go anywhere else? You know, it's, they, they, well, they keep I, 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 I partly agree with you. I think what's happened is the bar's been raised so high by all the instrument manufacturers that mm. these days, I think everybody's making good equipment, mm. but, but. I, I'm I'm obviously biased. I, it's a sound that I started with a long, long time ago. Yeah. It's a sound that I listen to, like you. Yeah. I listen to that sound, and 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 I've always been enamoured with it. And 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 they've, they've and the other thing too is they they always seem to be just you know that that a little bit ahead of the curve. And, Indeed. And, uh, and, and anyway, but yeah. yes, we, we could go. We could. Yeah. I'm sure we could go down well, the equipment road. So. The the, the <laughs> best, best the best comment though I I have to tell you I I was was playing. I, I forget it was called Great Woods or someplace like that in, in Boston years ago. 
Uh-huh. And uh, I think Russ Conkel was playing with Stevie Nicks, and the Hooters were playing. And Russ just got these peisty black cymbals. And, and we were outside, and John DeCrist, our friend John DeChristopher was out back there. And I remember Russ walking up to John, and I'll never forget that he goes, they sound almost as good as the Zildjians. <laughs> and I turned to John, and I said, I said, John, I said, did you hear you just hear the word almost? <laughs> you know, I just thought that was That's a funny right. thing. I'll never forget that, you know. So, hey, we're, we're, we're both very fortunate to be involved with a company that is that wonderful and uh, I, still I, family I, I business. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, really amazing. Every time I go up there, I, I always like, you know, I, I go in there, watch them make them. And you know how it is there. You know, can't bring a camera. can't yeah. do anything. But it, they got the secret sauce there. Whatever it is, it's pretty damn good. You know, so. it really is. It really is. Yeah. And they're such a great bunch of people, too. Right. 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 So you're still I, I, and I knew you were still playing. It's just that you when you look at your your body of work, it's it's really not. The, it's 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 hard not to have your jaw drop. It, it, it is amazing because, again, like I said, when I when I saw that pamphlet and that that photo of you, I mean, you've been at it for so long and at, at such a high level and um, it, it, it's it's wonderful. I remember first time I saw you, I saw you on TV playing with Mary Chapin Carpenter and I went, that's Dave Maddox playing. You know, I was, uh, I you know, there was no credit, but I recognized you uh, and you remember you were playing a small, a small kit and you were playing her hit song at the time that they were right. playing all over and uh, man, you sounded wonderful and your drums always oh, sounded uh, we we did a tour with Squeeze in 1986, and I remember the monitor guy. I was messing around with heads, and uh, I used to play to the side of the stage, and I was messing around with my drum heads, and I was trying to work with my drum tech, try to get a sound. And, and the, the British guy that was working with Squeeze said, and I forget his name, he said, you know, you really need to listen to Dave Maddox. <laughs> 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 Swear to God. That's what he said. He said, you really need to listen to Dave Maddox and pay attention to what he's doing, you know, because you just boom. And, and, and no doubt, like every time you listen sonically, your drums always sounded fantastic. Did you? Did, well, oh, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I've always I've always had a um, I've, I've had a I wouldn't say a love hate, but a, a, a love keenness. I've never I've never hated it, but I've always been into the instrument. I mean, my. When I left school, I was an, an apprentice piano tuner, and for a while, wow, that and then is... I went. Wow. And then I went to work. Well, I started on piano. That was the first instrument. Oh. And then, and then after after the piano <clears throat> tuning apprenticeship, I, I went to um, work in a drum shop in London, which was called um, Drum City. Oh. I guess the nearest the nearest uh, 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 analogy. Uh, over here would be something like the pro drum shop in oh, LA. Okay, wow. I mean, basically, basically everybody and his brother went in there. Bobby Graham went um, in there, right? <laughs> oh, one of my heroes. I love all, Bobby all the, Graham. All the all the jazz guys, yeah. all the rock guys, all the studio guys, and I apprenticed there for a year or a bit, and I got to learn about. I had a fantastic boss, and he taught me about the, the mechanics of of the instrument, and mm. then I also got to meet so many great players i met mitch and ginger and wow. all those kind of guys and, wow. and so that was a that was that was a, a a great starting point for a for an extremely green and and uh, were you uh, awestruck drummer. were you awestruck at the would time I, meeting guys like mitch mitchell and ginger baker oh, of course yeah. yeah but they were they were so they were so cool i mean i you know i ended up uh, uh, you know, funny that how full circle uh, Mitch used to come in the shop, and he was always, always be, he was all, always showing all of us 
um, the, the latest uh, uh, Elvin licks because he was a complete <laughs> yeah. Elvin, Elvin freak, as, yeah. as, as we all know. Right. Um, and then I ended up, funny enough, he, I remember when he got the gig with, with Georgie Fame, who's a, a great English um, R&B singer and a great musician, and, and I ended up getting that gig uh, several years wow. later. So it, it, it was, yeah, it all came for full circle. I mean, I was, I, of course, I mean, <laughs> you can't help but being starstruck, but, but I have to add, not in that, yeah. because like, I never had really any aspirations. I mean, the, the whole rock star thing yeah. leaves me extremely cold i have no yeah. aspirations and i don't really think like that but those guys it was more there because i was meeting the jazz players and the studio right. players as well as the rock guys right. it was more their reputation and their musical ability that that i was taken with i didn't have any i mean the rock star thing is yeah is for, yeah as, as, a, as a friend of mine says you know if, if about people learning the instrument. If if you want to learn the instrument, that's one thing. But if you if you want to be a rock star, uh, 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 start going to the gym and, and wear your mother's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. You know, yeah, so indeed. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't really have any uh, any interest in that. But yeah. yes, I, I was starstruck yeah. because of what of what those people, those jazz drummers and those those uh, and the studio guys in particular. I remember being there was a. a one of my early heroes was a wonderful, sensational player by the name of Kenny Clare. C L A R. Yeah, I know that name. Kenny, you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a big, 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 yeah. big influence yeah. on me in the early days. Yeah. And he was doing everything. Yeah. He was playing jazz things. He was playing on rock records. Right. He was touring. And, yeah. he, and, and his sound was just, he was Phenomenal. Just, just unbelievable. Anyway, mm. that's a, a, right. an early, he was an early influence. Mm. So I was learning just by, as we are, as we all were uh, at, at that stage, in in what I refer to as sponge mode, you know, yeah. just kind of taking it all in. Right. What a, what an amazing time. I, I have a. I don't know if you know, I'm, one of my close friends is a guy named Steve Churchard who um, worked for uh -huh. uh, for George Martin at Air Studios, and he uh -huh. he, he worked under. Um, uh, Jeff Emmerich and he now lives in California but he would always go back to London and he did stuff and I was always fortunate I always felt lucky to get to work with him in any way because I always felt like I was getting schooled in the art of ears you know so because there was no one that recorded drums like him um, it was yeah. mic placement or how he recorded guitars um, I remember when the digital age, like he went from analog to digital it was almost like oh my gosh you know I don't know because all of a sudden there was this period where like that just doesn't sound as good as what it used to sound like and that whole area uh, it, that that science behind and the ears that you needed to have and the dedication and the de dedication to detail because I remember doing any kind of sessions with the guy and the notes that he would take regarding the session were just phenomenal like I said how did you know that he's because because I wrote it right here Dave because <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I wrote it down but I mean you, you got to work I mean I, I mentioned Bobby Gr I love YouTube because you could go back and 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 revisit and hear these guys like I, I you know a name that I've always heard too uh, Clem Catani who was a guy that did uh, some session stuff and y you mentioned Kenny Clare well, more, yeah more than with regards to Clem yeah. uh, again kudos where it's due yeah. Clem really was kind of like the the, the Hal Blaine of, of 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 England he played on wow. so many number wow. one 
record. Wow. But 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 and 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 has an incre- incredible resume. Clem's pretty much retired now. Yeah. Bobby Graham, I have to say, I'm always bemused when uh, you know inverted commas rock fans go on about the Dave Clark Five. I mean, all the drumming on all those records was That's all Bobby Graham. Bobby. Oh, my God. And what a, what a, yeah. what a vision he had. I know he yeah. didn't work with a producer, but Bobby knew exactly what to play. I've heard interviews where he talked about working with the Kinks and doing those records. Yep. And I got to tell you, Dave, as somebody that was a fan, you know, like, it's always a little disappointing when, you've, when, you, when you really found out, like, oh, you mean it wasn't Mick? <laughs> you know, I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh. But, but. You know, I, I, well, Mick, Mick. In fairness to Mick Avery, Mick is on some of it, but but yeah. it's also it's also Bobby on. And, and I first heard about Bobby yeah. was um, I, I don't know whether you know. There's a wonderful record producer um, who became an extremely good friend of mine. Before I, I, I miss him terribly, he produced all of Elton's stuff. Oh. Um, his name was Gus Gus Dudgeon. Oh, and I did yes. a, I, I did a lot of lot of work yeah. with Gus. And I remember when I started working for Gus. Yeah. Um, in the early days, or, or, or my early, he, Gus was one of the first producers who got me away from the folk thing because I got tagged with that folk yeah. thing pretty early. But Gus, uh. Gus started using me on 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 uh, music outside of that yeah. genre. Yeah. And to cut a long story short, I remember Gus telling me about Bobby Graham because yeah. Gus came up through the ranks. He, Gus was a was a you know the ubiquitous T boy and then one yeah. went on to be an engineer before he became a producer right. produced all of Elton's stuff yeah. and he would tell me about Bobby and he would say oh this there's this guy you need to check him out and yeah. I'd not heard him and he said he's phenomenal he's got a great sound and yeah. a great feel and everything yeah. and I'm and I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm a little bit I'm slightly older than the, than the spotty spotty teenager at this stage but yeah. i'm still in sponge mode and i'm, yeah. I'm soaking all this up yeah. and i go find out about bobby and i find out that as we both know he he's the guy on all the dave clark yeah stars, amazing dave clark five records yeah and, yeah great great player he, great he tells player. great stories and i know that you you've also worked with jimmy page i saw that listed yep. in your credentials and bobby talks about jimmy playing with jimmy when jimmy was just a young teenager. He said he was a good teenager. He was playing guitar with with a big, oh, yeah. big Bill Bruzy. You know, I mean, it was like big Jim Sullivan. Big Jim Sullivan. That was right. I'm sorry. Bruzy yeah. was the okay. I got with my guys blues, confused. With the American but, blues guy, yes. Amazing that the you know these stories you hear Bobby talking about that and uh, and 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 then when I saw that you know like I, I because I I couldn't wait to get you on the podcast because I know you've had Bobby talks about the smell of those studios like you could see the the, <laughs> the sessions he said but he you know the great story about him like pulling up at the studio and where it was like a business district and he's pulling his drums out of his car you know and it wasn't like they had cartage back then he's running his drums into the car and cutting the track and he said there was a smell there's a certain smell of mustiness but it smelled great and he'd run in his car and he'd throw his cars and go to the next studio Triton or whatever those studios were back there but man you know you that was part of your world man that's amazing well, it, it was I, I came in I, I was the kind of a, a few a few years after Bobby by, by the time I got going into sessions which was the early 70s by then it was possible to get cartage so life did become a little easier wow. and, and, and uh, uh, that I, I had I myself and 
a lot of my peers back then were using uh, cartridge, which yeah. was yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a revolutionary yeah. thing. But it, it did it did make. Right. And I, I, I had about yeah. three or four kits on the go uh. and, and, and everything. But yes, uh, um, yeah, the thing the word was back then that if you if you in, in, just prior to my kind of entry into that scenario was that um, Bobby Bobby is right if you had Bobby and the I think they used to call them the two the two Jimmys which was which was big Jim Sullivan, Sullivan and Jimmy Page yeah. and Jimmy Page if you had those guys on your on your session that was a, a, a guaranteed hit I mean they were on some of that early Donovan stuff yeah right you know? wow well you you toured with Jimmy Page a little bit too correct no uh, no. no I never toured with Jimmy I just um, we, we, we we knew each other because he because we bumped into each other a little bit on sessions but he was a he was a fairport uh, fan mm-hmm. I mean, okay. the, which, which I is why yeah. the fairport singer sandy denny ended up on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the step on the step album because they were they were fairport fans right but um we they would come and see us and we would go and see them and, yeah. and he at the time lived in a similar neck of the woods to me down in sussex yes. and we bumped into each other on the train going up to town one day and he said um I'm doing this film score. Would you be interested? Yeah. And, you know, you can imagine my response. It was something along the lines of, yes, who do I make the check out? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, uh, so that's how we, we ended up doing the Death Wish film score, oh, which was, which was a that. lot of fun. And I, sure. and, but I didn't tour with him. No, I just did that, that, that film score. With how him. great. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, just that, that, that experience. And I, and, I, and you mentioned Fairport convention, you know, I've been fortunate enough in the Hooters, be playing in the Hooters that, you know, it turned out that Ian Anderson, one day, you know, I'm a big Toll fan. And then one day here I am like, we're, I don't know where we're in Europe, but Ian Anderson knocks on the dressing door. It's Ian Anderson. And he said, oh, I lo- just love you guys. And we were like, are you kidding? You know, well, I mean, that's cool. That was cool. And he, he actually, and, you know, we've done festivals over the years. And, and again, like, you know, um, all of us are, 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 are into that, you know, know the history of, you know, Toll, know about, you know, and either, I, and I think even Dave Pegg, uh, you played with Ian as well. Didn't you do some touring with Ian Anderson and playing recording as well? I did a year with Jethro Tull. Wow. I did a, a, I did a, a year with them, which was in, involved a lot of tours and a, and a live record wow. came out of it called A Little Light Music. And, and, and that was in part because uh, at the time around that time, um, Fairport was sharing its bass player uh, Dave. Dave Pegg, as you, yes. as you said, yeah. with Tull. Yeah. Dave ended up doing about 12 or 13 years with Tull yeah. and, and has now gone back and, and he's now gone back and is full time with Fairport. But at the time he was he was doing he was doing double duty, as, as we as we said. And that mm. led to Ian's increased awareness of Fairport and he would start coming to gigs. And that's how yeah. he I ended up doing a year with them. I think Don Don had a year off for good behavior or something and <laughs> Don Perry had a year off for good behavior and yeah. Ian said, Would you would you and I and I remember Dave saying to Ian, Look, I can't do that stuff that unbelievable stuff that all your other drummers do that I, I you know, I, I can I can yeah. I have a certain amount of technique but I'm not I don't play like like Doan or yeah. any of those I know other Doan guys. Too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Are, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> and he said, "Yes, I I want you to do 
I want you to do your thing with, yeah. with, with Jethro Tull. Yeah. So I did. Any wow. uh, any stories jump out at you from your year with Jethro, with Jethro, Jethro Tull on the road? Anything? Uh... Well, the only thing that I, I distinctly remember was, was prior to going into the year with JT, so many people said, oh, my God, he's going to roast you alive. He's so tough on drummers. Yeah. He's going to do. He's, he's going to be down your throat like nobody's business. He's yeah. really difficult to blah, blah, blah. And the only thing he said, I think it was about two or three gigs in, we got to the end of the gig, and he said, you must watch me when I do blah, blah. It, 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 when if I raise my hand and do this, it means that I want that. And I said, that's my fault. I'm sorry, I missed that. And that, I think, was the extent of his, wow. of his, intera- his musical interaction. And the rest of the time... I, I kind of got on with it to the best of my ability. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, I, I, I never miss when we've played any festival with them. I would always, um, and to a man in our band, we'd always go to the side of the stage and... Um, and watch because it was always uh, an education. You know, Martin Barr is such an incredible guitar player, and, and uh, Martin, uh, Martin just is remarkable. a great, great guitar player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and, and it, that's a great combination of, of of music and theatrics. I mean, that's yeah. he, he's got that he's got that seriously down. He, yeah, he knows about that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Hey, let's go back to your uh, your roots with Fairport because you were still pretty much a kid when you joined them, right? weren't you, you know, 21, 20, 20 years old somewhere around there when you first joined that band? Yeah, I joined in '69, yeah. so that would make me 21. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Uh, what was that like being a, you know, being that age? And obviously, you already, you know, you've been playing drums for a while at that point. But being in, you know, being in a band like that that was obviously so talented and, yeah. and uh, you know, at the forefront of that whole British folk music uh, scene. I mean, what, what was that like for you at that age? It, I, prior to that, I, I led a somewhat, um, a somewhat sheltered musical upbringing. I mean, I was aware of what was going on, but I, the gig that I had prior to joining Fairport was was three and a half years in a in a Lawrence Welk style dance band, <laughs> okay. um, and then you go to Jigs and, and Reels, <laughs> and then I went to Jigs and Reels. Yeah. And when I when I joined when I joined the band, I, I my knowledge of folk music was was woolly sweaters, people with their fingers in the air, and Peter Paul and Mary. <laughs> I mean, I actually I, that's what I thought it was like, and yeah. and, and so I was. To cut a long story short, I, I was very much on an aesthetic level, the deer in the headlights in ah, that band. Wow. I, all I was doing was trying to respond to the music that was being presented to me to, to the best of my ability. Mm. But one of the things that I'm always keen to to explain to people, David, is is that for the first year, I was literally just responding to what was going on around me. And then about, I think it was about, I don't know, somewhere between nine months and a year in, I had this enormous light bulb moment where I really aesthetically suddenly realized what they were doing with with the whole thing about mixing yeah. English traditional music and, and with electric instruments yeah. and trying to do, and the, the, the sensibility was that, that the because be prior to that Fairport were kind of 
for want of a better turn of phrase, a kind of a high-class covers act. Mm. They were doing a lot of American singer-songwriter right. uh, material from people that didn't, that weren't really that well known. Uh, I mean, you know, doing Joni Mitchell covers right. and things. I mean, yeah. back in '67, not many people knew, and, right. and as, as fewer Bob Dylan stuff yeah. and everything. And they basically came to a conclusion that the American, as an aesthetic way forward, it, it was best to leave the Americans to do the American stuff. Right. We should try and come up with something that's that's closer to home. Yeah. And Drag, and drag that kicking and screaming into right. the 20th century. So hence the whole thing with the traditional music yeah. and electrifying it. And when I realized that and I started to really have a greater appreciation for song form, yeah. it had a profound effect on how I heard music. Yeah. It basically... I basically did 180 because prior to Fairport, I was all about technique and and trying to whiz around the kit as fast as possible. And I wasn't really listening to songs or, you know, lyrics were things that lyrics were things that, that the singers did up front, you know, I mean, mm. then we went, until we got the chance to show what a clever bunch of Herberts we were in the background. <laughs> and, 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 and the Fairports basically completely flipped me. And I, and this enormous light bulb went on and I, and I went off and I just went, oh, yeah. and I really started to understand song form and have a greater appreciation for song form and singers and lyricists. And, and it just flipped the way yeah. I, 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 I it, it flipped the way I approached my instrument. Let's mm. let's leave that summation there. Sorry, I'll let you get a no, word in it. No, no, no. This is bro This is fascinating. I mean, because I got, you know. The songwriters in my band, uh, the Hooters, uh, our band, uh, er Eric and Rob, are, are so greatly influenced by. Uh, there, there was a change, I think, initially, and we've we've been we've always gotten the word uh, uh, eclectic. <laughs> There's an eclectic right. sound that we get, right? And we've gotten that, I think, a lot to do with you guys because. Early on, when we first started, we were doing ska reggae stuff, and then as we progressed, I remember Eric got a um, a mandolin. I, I remember uh, he got a dulcimer, and then our sound started. We started incorporating these instruments because obviously, with the melodica, which we called the hooter, was our right. our signature, you know, uh, right. a signature sound. And then as we, uh, because you know, I remember our first album, our first release with Sony in '85. You know, it got did okay. I mean. It did great in Australia, did okay in England, but it wasn't until we did uh, One Way Home that we really broke out in Europe, which didn't, and it didn't do a lot here in America, but places like Germany and the UK, I remember we, we had a song called Satellite, it was because, and all those, in a lot of those influence were Fairport Convention influences. I mean, wow. we had a lot of them, but, but I'll tell you, they will tell you straight up that, that Fairport Convention had so much to do, it's in their DNA because of the, what they listened to. And I know, like, you know, I, I even see Eric now like playing on uh, on on the social media, doing his pulls out his mandolin and he's playing these riffs. But a lot of that stuff was influenced by the, the that that music, that time, what you guys were doing. And I remember, I still remember when being at Midfins and we were playing on stage. And I don't know who came over from the. I think Dave Pegg was one of them that came over. But they were play, they were on the side of stage and we were doing jigs and reels. We were playing that. Oh really? Yeah. And they came over. We're like, oh my god, the guys that 
like really do it <laughs> next to us. Uh, you fantastic. know, that moment we're like, oh, my God, they're going to say, you know. But we, we do it, uh, which I have to send you. Uh, 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 it's part of our every every night when we play, we go there and, and it's it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault, uh, Dave. <laughs> but it's, it's great. <laughs> and the way you play it, and Eric always says there's one thing that you do when we go into that, that little 6 3 thing that happens. You know, uh, there was a way you would do it, and I came up with my own way to do it. But he would say, Can you just do it like Dave Maddox? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh dear! I'm so sorry it's about okay. that. It's okay. I had to win him over. <laughs> it's all but, your fault, Dave. But you—you you had this always melodic sense that you, I love the, the way you play drums because I always envisioned a guy that was like hearing the melody when he was playing drums. It was more than just playing the beat. I know you have—you know—you you know you you your time, your play, your feel is remarkable. But it was always this melodic um, song quality to your drumming that it's just so nice to listen listen to man you know it's uh, well, well, it's cool i appreciate i appreciate that but what what i what i find these days is i, I don't there, there's obviously something that i do that's slightly different but whenever i read interviews or in magazine music magazines ev everybody is a song drummer these days so i don't know what it is that i'm doing that's 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 any different from anybody else because everyone purports to be a and I mean, I don't mean this in a, in a in a disparaging way, but everybody purports to be a song drummer these days. I mean, with the, with the with the, with the obvious exceptions, you know, there's, yeah. there's certain people out there yeah. who will remain nameless that yeah. are, are yeah. that have a different sensibility. Let's yeah. just put it that way. But everyone, well, you song. must have done maybe maybe maybe, yeah. maybe just everyone is just a little bit more conscious of the song these yeah. days. Yeah. Well, it it certainly helped because I you know I was thinking when you mentioned. The 70s. I mean, that was to me. I mean, look, the 60s, but the session like I, I, I was I was really paying attention at that time. And, you know, uh, uh, what was happening musically and reading liner notes. But that was starting the beginning of the heyday of the, especially here in Philadelphia, New York, uh, the session guys, you know, uh, the, and, you know, guys I, I knew I happen to have a friend of mine who was a guitar player rest in peace tj tyndall that he did sessions at sigma and you know he, he had a jaw he like i remember i admired him so much because he nine o'clock in the morning he'd wake up he i have to be at the studio at 10 o'clock you know and he would get in the studio and he'd be home at six and he would do like you know whatever kenny and and leon was asking him to do and then there was the, the you know the 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 guys in new york the maratas and the uh and the and the gads and and Andy newmark and these guys and the you know i was always paying attention to what was um Alan Schwartz, I remember his name, but just just guys that were that, that had this incredible gig where, you know, I got to tell you too, Dave. I remember when I was when the Hooters got signed to Columbia, we had a producer that always he really didn't always use the drummer in the band, and I remember having right. complete fear, <laughs> thinking, "Oh no, I'm going to get fired today." So <laughs> I went, <laughs> "I'm going to get replaced." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Well, my buddy Anton Fig, who I adore, was in the next room cutting in studio. We were in B, they were in A, and I remember thinking, uh, and uh, if I don't do my job right, he's just right next door. Come on over. <laughs> when yep. Dave leaves, yeah, I really. Put down. But I remember I had a good day. I remember I cut like a bunch of stones that end up being like hit singles uh, for the band. But I remember that that That's that great. mindset. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I was feeling the pressure because I knew not even no one, no one was saying it to me, but I knew I had to step up. But uh, I kind of long-winded way of getting there, to, but that session thing that, you know, 
uh, that, you know, you guys do and did uh, at that time was just, you know, if the record wasn't right, you were the guy that came, came in and fixed it, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've been on both sides of that equation. Not too often. I don't think there's been too many things. Although I've, I know I've done some things over uh, in the past where I've, I've played on it and I thought it was good. And then you look at the credits and you realize that you've, you know, that, that they've, they've decided that it's, it's not quite right. And they've yeah. got someone else in. Right. And I've also been the guy that's come in and, and replaced. So right. you, you, you know about yeah. that just as, sure. as well as I do. Yeah. And it's, 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 a. Uh, uh, the risk of resorting to cliche yeah. it, it's a very humbling experience yeah, but sure. it, it's also it's also a great learning exactly exactly because well. yeah. you, you the first thing you do is, is that after the initial uh, kind of after the initial uh, suicidal tendencies yeah. there's <laughs> there's the okay now what is it that the other guy is doing that the I'm other person doing. That, that, that i'm not doing yeah, yeah. that i'm not doing what, what is it and right. and, and, you, and you yeah you learn, learn. And, yeah. and 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 the, the cool thing about it about that aspect of it is that it isn't always something very obvious yeah I, I, I remember once one really a learning experience for me once was uh, I, I moved to L.A. in 90 and I remember I was doing a record for somebody and I was at the music grinder there and the, they they um, I think uh, it's uh, the amazing Jim Keltner was on this record. And I remember everybody's hero. Yeah. I, I could I couldn't I love him to death. And I remember the producer saying, you know, he's just not right for the record. And I went and go, like, are you kidding me? But I guess those yeah. things happen. And Jim was just like, hey, yeah. get Jeff in to cut it, you know? So, I mean, uh, I remember hearing that thinking, wow, man, you know, yeah. it's just uh, the reality yeah, I know. It's, of that. It's a, it's a sh I know it's a shock to us when we hear things like yeah. that, the people that we look up to revere. Yeah. But, but uh, again, another another notch in the learning curve is is – in this in this long cycle is one realizes that you can't you can't be all things to all people exactly you yeah. there's, there's always going to be somebody who says well it's good but it's not what i want mm. and 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 i think when you get past the initial shock of that that's you know, I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I get once in a while in, in Boston, I, I get called for something and I'll say, you know, you should really get blah, blah, blah. Yeah, to yeah. Do that Because cause right. he or she is is more into that kind of music than I am and yeah. it's going to make a better job of it. Yeah. If it's some like, you know, incredible complex fusion thing or something, I'm going to say, well, <laughs> you know, call, right. yeah. call, you know, call, you know, blah, 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 because yeah. they're going to make a better job of it yeah. rather than you get me in and, and it's not, and and that's another thing again, David, that we that we learn about when we work with other musicians, of, and, and especially, I mean, I've I've got into production in a small way over the last the last uh, couple of decades, and 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 you pick your musicians very carefully, and you pretty much you don't tell them what to play, you give them. Yeah. You give them the road. You give them the road map, and yeah, you exactly. say, "This is the kind of thing I'm looking for. Here's the chord chart. Here's the vocal. Here's the song. Now do your thing." Exactly. And, and if that person isn't, and it would be, it's analogous. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. It would be like somebody calling you or me for a session, and they say, "Okay, when we get to the fourth bar, I want you to play the fill that goes blah 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 yeah. blah, and then I want you to play this beat here and this beat." <laughs> you want to go well. 
If if that's it, I, you do here's it. your better here's your better options. Yeah. One, either program it, or B, call a Berkeley student. Exactly. <laughs> if you want it, yeah. If you want it, if you if you know exactly ex, exactly everybody, it's one thing to have um, a roadmap, and this is where the stops and the punctuations. But when you start telling people wow. every note to play, whether it's a guitarist, a bass player, or a, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm always wary. Once in a once in a while, I will go. Look, can you? I really want to hear that note underneath that particular chord, right? Um, rather than the root. Can you put the fifth underneath it or whatever? You yeah. know, yeah. and and but apart from that, I I let the musicians get on with it because mm. that way you get what one gets a a good performance. And nearly all the people that I've been fortunate enough to work with have always have all been like that. I mean, Richard Thompson hardly wow. has ever, ever said anything to me. Yeah. Jimmy didn't say anything to me. Paul didn't say anything to me. Wow. You know, they might go, actually, it's a bit more like this kind of feel. And I go, oh, you mean like kind of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Do, yeah. do that kind of thing. Right. Okay. And they wow. let you get on with it. They let you get on with it. Hey, can, can so it's it, it, it oh. trust in, in yeah. your fellow musician. Yeah, carry on. Did, sorry. did you ever meet John Bonham by chance? Did you ever meet him? Yeah, I spent, yes, I went to his house and we hung out. <sighs> yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I've, I've, got a, I've got a great Bonzo story for you. Um, we Dave Pegg um, invited me, because Dave Dave Pegg was in the band of Joy, the original band with, yeah. with Bonzo wow. and, and Robert. Wow. And, and uh, not long, I think within the, the first few years of Dave, because Dave Pegg joined Fairport after, after I did, and as I said, the Zep guys were coming to, to our gigs. They were coming to Fairport gigs and we were going to see them. Yeah. And we got an invite to go to John's place uh, for dinner um, one night. And he had um, <laughs> he had a jukebox set up in, in, in one of the rooms in the house. Yeah. And he had a Fairport track on it. And in front of the jukebox, he had a little 18-inch, it, it might have even been smaller, but like a little, a tiny little kit. It might have been an 18, 12, 14, or it might have been even smaller than that. Yeah. And and, and he said, I, I, I've been teaching Jason this this Fairport um, song. Yeah. And he put the Fairport song on, the jukebox, <laughs> and, Jason, and Jason played along with it. Yeah. And I, I was very impressed because Jason, obviously, at that stage, you know, as he does now, certainly knows what he's doing. Yeah. So he that finishes, wow. and then and then I say to John, "What's that? What is it you're doing on the blah 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 track on that Zeppelin thing? What is it you're doing? I can't figure it out." And he said, "Oh, that's the thing where I'm displacing the blah blah blah, and Jonesy comes in on the bit after." And I, I, I say, "I would say, can you show me what you mean, John?" And he sits down behind this kit, yeah, and it's like I said, it's like a sixteen or an eighteen inch bass drum. And it's, it's got tiny toms and it's got two cymbals. And he sits down and he plays the beat. Yeah. And my jaw drops. Yeah. Not because he plays the beat, but because of the sound. It was amazing. The, it was, it was, well, it wasn't just amazing. It was, it was the John Bonham drum sound <laughs> wow. in, 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 in miniature. It was, it was that bass drum sound yeah. and that tom tom sound and that snare drum sound wow. on this tiny little kit. Mm. And, and, and that was, that yeah. was a big part of understanding the thing about touch and tuning. Yeah, he had it going you know? on. He was. He so, had it going on, and it, it was. He'd on. obviously tuned that kit. Yeah. And when he sat down and played it, it just sounded like 
it sounded exactly like him. What a story! And, and yeah. that was, and that was a big. That was another one of those big stepping stones yeah. into understanding. Wow. Tuning and sound yeah. and projection and all that amazing. Kind of stuff. Yeah. That's that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. You should have seen Dave's reaction to that uh, story, just uh, like, Dave. That was hey, jumping around your career a little bit. Uh, you you mentioned in passing, Paul. I mean, you've obviously played with a couple Beatles, Paul McCartney and George Harrison. Uh, any yep. any recollections there that you'd want to share? Well, Paul is unsurprising. <laughs> To anybody who, who who's a Beatles fan, which I think probably includes about ninety-seven percent of the world's population, right. um, he is an absolute sweetheart, and 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 as a bass player, he's one of the greatest bass players sure, a drummer he, could ever play with. Yeah, not a bad he, drummer either. <laughs> and, he, and and I, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, I showed we we were doing a set. We were on the Run Devil Run sessions. I was using a kit with a. 24 inch with a double headed kick yeah. and he said can I have a go on the I said yeah go on have a go and I had to tell him to, to I had to explain to him about playing off the bass drum about how you can't bury the beater yeah. if you've got a double headed kick because it sounds like ah. Oh. so that was yeah. that was amusing but yeah. um, no he's he's been he's been so nice to me and 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 the sessions out in Montserrat and all the sessions at his place in Sussex and Wow. The stuff at Abbey Road has always been really good, and George just the same. Just, just the nicest of people with uh, uh, an unsurprising, not so much unsurprisingly, but uh, when one thinks about it, they have absolutely nothing to prove. Yeah. Just nothing to nothing to prove. So they 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 take people exactly as they find them, and if you're okay. You're, you're, you're. Then you're okay with them, you know. And and if you're if you're a bit of a jerk, then you know that eventually you you might not get to work with them, or they're they're going to avoid you. So it's just a question of it's pretty straightforward. If you're okay, then then you're okay with them. But but as people and as musicians, uh, they're. Well, no, I can't. <laughs> wow. I can't add anything. Wow. I can't anything. Add wow. anything Did because I, um... everyone. Everyone knows how 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 great they are. Right. You know? did, did I read an interview with you, uh, Dave, where you would said you were working with George the day that John Lennon was shot? Yeah, that oh. um, that was a bit weird. Um, I, I oh. got called from by my friend Ray Cooper, the percussionist yeah. who was producing this um, uh, some tracks for George, and he he called me up in the morning and he said, "Did you hear what happened last night?" And I said, "No, I didn't." He said, "Well, you're not going to believe this, but blah blah blah." I said, "Oh, okay, uh, that's horrible." Um, mm. and, uh, and and we finished the conversation. And then he called back about an hour later and said, "George has changed his mind. He he thinks that rather than him sitting around uh, 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 thinking yeah. about it, it, it might be better, better from a better to work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that that was the first. That was my introduction to 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 George. Wow. Yeah. 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 I agree. I mean, you know, that's how, you know, I could imagine how devastated he was to, to, to think about it. You know, somebody like John Lennon and then, and, and, you know, we had to had to work. Of course, I get that. Wow. That's an amazing story, Dave. He, he, you know, we were sitting around having dinner afterwards. And I, I, I've, I've said this before. I've recounted this before, but it's worth recounting again. He, he, we were talking about the craziness and, and uh, of, of how people 
go over the fans go over the top. I mean, most people are kind of you know pretty obviously nearly all people are pretty cool, but there's always there's always the kind of the one that's a little bit on the edge. Mm. And Ray Cooper was talking about how on, on some of the EJ tours he'd look out into the audience and he'd see people with you know shaved head round glasses and wearing a, a waistcoat or a vest you call them over here and he's and he said oh this is a bit scary you know the people try, I mean, they try and dress like you mm. and i started seeing it on some of the toll gigs i'd look out into the audience and i'd see people that that were, were like ian anderson clones and you go "Ooh, this is a bit scary and then you elevate it up to beetle level and you you, yeah. and you, you know that it, it gets out of control and george said a, a fantastic thing he, he was talking about the that the craziness of that aspect and george said i i just i just wanted to be in a band yeah, you, right. yeah. he's you know what and i, I, have I to tell nev- you, he, i've never forgotten that man. well i've never forgotten that he I've said that to us that. we 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 yeah. that must really? be well we met him at the bbc and i have yeah. a photo i just posted recently you mentioned you, the photo you saw you commented on oh that one yeah right and With he you said and he George, said yeah. to john lilly he said to john lilly goes it must be wonderful to be in a band john never forgot yeah. that and he always tells that story yeah. George Harrison said it must be wonderful to be in a band because, you know, we were, we we were, we were a gang, you know, like we were our gang. We were like, we circled our wagons and George, I could, you know, I think that's why he had so much joy with the Wilburys, you know, because all of a sudden he felt, Hey, I'm in a band again. Exactly. Exactly. Because, and and when they were going, you know, and Paul is talking about this and this isn't, this isn't, this isn't any secrets. When they were going, when the Fabs were going through the most craziest of times, they had each other. Yeah, they had each other when they when they couldn't even like leave the hotel room, and and it was crazy. I mean, this is you know, and this is why I I relate to it. And I think a lot of us do because this is pre kind of rock star bullshit yeah. kind of era. This is this is just four guys who've made a band and it, it got into a band, and it has got. Yeah. ridiculously out of control right, and, and they right. had they had they had each other to keep them yeah. to keep each other sane yeah they couldn't leave and a I, room I, they couldn't they couldn't no, they it, couldn't go outside have you, know? you seen that ron howard documentary yeah the ron yes. howard is, yeah. is, is it eight, eight, eight days a week yeah yeah Fascinating. i mean it's it you really get you know, i mean we, we all knew that they were huge yeah. but you really get an idea yeah. of just how mm almost impossible their lives were mm. and george had enough i remember that, that i think it was george they were in that in that um a chay when they were leaving and they were being bounced around in that in that van and george yeah. said i had enough i just uh, you know yeah. i just i can't this is not what i want to live like but then yeah. they missed it so much because i remember this was 1988 that we did the uh, there was a tv show in london called i think it was called fridays and he was doing a radio interview uh-huh. we just happened to run into him in the lobby and he and that was the thing and i have it on vi- I have it on video, Andy. By the way, and George, my oh, friend yeah. Paula, videotaped it, and he said to John, and and, and I, which I didn't hear, he said, it "Must be great to be in a band." I'm going, when he told me that story, I was just like, "Wow, what an amazing thing to say!" And he said it to you. Yeah. Wow, you know, yeah. uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I just, I just, I just wanted to be in a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 yeah. a great thing. Hey. Dave, one more name I want to ask you about, and then I want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing recently. Because uh, you I'm just, play you just uh, yeah, we just you just uh, arranged, produced, and played on on this great EP by uh, Deborah Cowan, is it? Uh, Cohen. Cohen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I want to talk about that in a minute. But 
I also wanted to ask about Elton John. Um, I know you did some recording with him in the 80s and um, uh-huh. just wow. you know, obviously a fascinating individual. Uh, so I was just asking if you had any you know, interesting recollections. He was a session guy, too. Yeah. He played on T-Rex records. Right. Didn't he do something? Well, that, that we, met, we met as session guys before <laughs> he was before. Elton. Before it was, yeah, you know, in in the Reg days, before it, before it was wow. out, and I remember, I remember things really, you know, kind of starting to take off for him and the and the trio with Davey and uh, and Nigel, Nigel right. and and uh, you know, and uh, that was it was obviously and and I think that it was through that connection I think that Gus heard of me and, and Gus Dudgeon heard of me and started calling me for for stuff. But there was a period um, after the huge success of Elton for several years where he Elton started working with some different producers and then he had there was a few years and then he went back to working with Gus and that's when Gus called me to play on some of the tracks on. Um, I forget the name of the Ice album. on Fire. The, Ice on Fire. Ice on the, yeah, Fire. You played on it. Nikita, which was and a big hit. I played hit. on Nikita. Yeah, Nikita. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so it was nice to hook up with him again. But I have to tell you, man, he's is probably one of the funniest people I've worked <laughs> with. His sense of humour is yeah. absolutely fantastic. I haven't seen him for years. I mean, he, he the last. In fact, the last time I saw him, which was very upsetting. Uh, we were at Gus's funeral, which uh, was, oh, yeah. and we he gave me, bless him, he gave me a big hug because we were both devastated by yeah. losing Gus, Gus's wife Sheila. But uh, but but the going back to the sessions again, very very enjoyable and just just great fun. And yeah. again, no one no one saying play this beat, play this. Here's the song. Here's how it goes. Okay. Right, get on with it. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there, there was that was uh, that was recording back then. I I still I love those kinds of stories. I love listening to those records. Those like listening even just going back to early Elton days. I remember seeing a three piece band with Nigel, and I think it was it was oh, Davy. That, that was the best. A, yeah, I saw yeah, them play. Yeah, that was such a great. And before before Davy Johnson came on board as, right, as was, the guitarist, yeah. With the, um, with the with the yeah that trio that trio was wow. was, was really something. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was a really great trip. Three guys. Actually, you're talking about um, just very briefly. You were talking about kind of the get on with it factor. The, even the XTC sessions, there was only a couple of tracks I recall where Andy had very specific ideas about things, and there was one. The one that I remember struggling with the most was. Um, uh, Oh crikey! What was the name of it now? Did you play uh, monkeys? Think of it in a second. Monkey? Yeah, I'm, I'm on. Wow. I'm on the whole. I'm what on a whole what album. a track! Yeah. Oh my god! Um, what a track! Oh, I know the one that was was difficult, Dave. It was omnibus. Oh. I really had a problem with that. That, but and Andy, Andy was kind of desperately to to show me, and I'm going, okay, I think I've got the hang of it. Yeah. And that one took a long time, but wow. but the rest of them, again, you know, they, they were. You know what? It's when the songs are that good, mm. yeah. you just have to come up with something that fits. You know, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not rocket science. You just like it, when the songs are that good, it's it, it, the things kind of play themselves. Mm. How about this? How about if I do this? Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Or I could do this. Oh, I like that. Do that yeah. one. Do that one. Cool. And then you, and then you, and then you refine it a bit, and then you, you do it. 
you know. Indeed. Yeah. So before we run out of time, Dave, let's talk about yeah. this uh, EP that you were that you uh, yeah. pretty much uh, you know ran the show on uh, "Greening the Dark" by Deborah Cohen. Uh-huh. Came out last September. Um, and you, you had mentioned earlier that you're kind of getting into, you know, in you know last 20 years or so, you've been doing more of the producing. And uh, so I guess you've had a, a little a, bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you've known Deborah for a while, right? You've, you'd worked with her before, right? Yes, we did. We did. a We did an album, another album. <coughs> excuse me. Um, uh, prior to this, uh, that was a, quite some time ago, I think about eight years or so ago. And we and then we did this one. And um, she's 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 in the kind of the folk world. Um, it, actually, she's at the sharp end of the folk world. She she does solo concerts with just her and a guitar. But wow. she has a very open mind, and she is uh, <laughs> partial to me to my uh, musical manipulations. Let's put, <laughs> let's put it that way. So she we find we find these songs. She finds kind of you know two thirds of them. I find the others, and then we sit down and we pour over them and we agonise about them. And then I come up with the arrangements, and then we we go into. I have a, a great friend here in Boston, uh, Mike Barry, who is a great songwriter and a singer himself. And uh, I go into his his little studio, and we. We craft it and we do the best we can. And and it, it um, I don't think um, Taylor Swift has got anything to be worried about. But it did. It did. <laughs> that's okay. But it did. It, but it did dent the the folk charts for what well, that's worth. Wow. So well, you had, um, and I'm very. I'm very proud of my association and what I contribute to it. Right. You had yes, suggested we play. Sorry. You had suggested we play the song "Bones and Feathers," and we can play that in just a minute, uh, which I listened to. It sounds yeah. great. Uh, I love how it picks up in intensity throughout the song. You talk a little bit about that song before we play it. Yeah, it's um, um, uh, a song by a great uh, young English songwriter <clears throat> by the name of Emily Portman, and it's just a great story. The, it's a great lyrical story. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the, the, it, it's a the, the basic story is uh, one that's been around for quite some time, but it's a new take on a on an old story. And I picked it because there's basically there's no drums on it. It's just some, <laughs> <laughs> there's just some percussion, and and, uh-huh. and I I did I did all the I did all the keyboard work and arranged arranged the song and wow. put everything together on it. So I thought it would make a uh, 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 uh. Cool. Oh, did we? Well, just... I think we lost him. We may have lost Dave again, but we'll get him back. Uh, let's... Taylor, let's hear uh, "Bones let's and Feathers" yeah. from uh, well, we Deb- Deborah Cohen's "Greening the Dark," cool. Cool. produced and arranged and per- uh, keyboards There's from uh, Dave Maddox. She leaves a trail of feathers. She's carrying a suitcase, ivory and leather. She's rummaging the dustbins. She's looking but not finding. I see her at the bus stop. She holds a leather suitcase. Her eyes are like two street lights. They flicker in her furrowed face. She mutters and she murmurs. There's a rattling, a rasping. She might be singing something, but it's lost in traffic roaring. She's weaving up the high street against a tide of faces. 
are looking but not seeing people going places. She's searching for something. She's looking but not finding. into morning there's a little fire to the eastward burning I turn round the corner there's a rattling a rasping she's underneath the street light singing while she's working her suitcase is wide open it's spilling out its treasure Yellow bones are glowing Ivory and leather She's looking and she's finding She's knitting them together And the dawn is breaking The ragged bones are That's fantastic. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Nice, do- nice job. Dude. Yeah, really nice production. Oh, too. good. I'm very, glad you very, like it, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, very, very good. Very good. Love well, it. Good Love alternative it. to a good alternative to finishing with a 20 minute drum set. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we'll be picking that up for sure, man. Uh, please uh, right, send yeah. our. That's that sounds fantastic. I, I should mean, also mention too, if you want to see what Dave's up to, because I know you got a lot of other things going on. Uh, go on his website, uh, DaveMaddox.com. That's D-A-V-E-M-A-T-T-A-C-K-S. Dot com. You, you did a nice job of recounting everything you did over the last year. A lot of interesting stuff there. I know you had the uh, 70th birthday celebration for Richard Thompson last year, which wow. I'm sure was uh, quite the event. Oh, that was at the at the, uh, the Albert Hall, yeah. I was very flattered to be asked to contribute to that. That was a, a lot of fun. Yeah. Mm. 
yeah. yeah. It's great that you're still keeping so busy. I mean, it's. Uh... Yeah, I, it's nice. To, um, it's nice that, that, that people still wish to employ an old fart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful, man. Well, you're well, I, I'm sitting with the old fart right here, Dave. And, and he, he's, employed, he's, he's, he's working like nine nine gigs a week. So uh, yeah. So well, it's uh, fun. What else, hey, Dave, what else are we gonna do? You know what I mean? It's like, but yeah, I, I'm, exactly, so yeah. I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. I fool around with the guitar. I have a piano, but when I heard you play the keys, I was like, wow, listen to that. And when you mentioned that fifth underneath when we were talking, I'm going, yeah, he's a real producer. He's got it going on. That's really great. Well, you, I'm, I'm, I, I, I have to say, uh, when, you, when, when, you, when you've been fortunate enough to work with the Gus Dudgeons and the Glyn Johns and, yeah. the, and the George Martins, you, you, it, it rubs off. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, well, some of it, I hope a little bit of it is well, certainly off. does. Certainly never, no, not, in, not in their league, but mm. you know what, David, I tell you whether I, uh, being around and you'll know this too, being around in, in doing a lot of studio work. If there's one thing you do learn, it's you learn what not to do. Indeed. Yeah. I'm with you there. You know, yeah. how to, how to talk to the other musicians, mm. how to talk to the, singer how to book the studio blah blah you learn what not to do mm. you know you learn what not to do and, I, and for me for me that's that's my my modus operandi okay i think i know what i shouldn't do i yeah. think i need to know yeah. i think I I, I I i i know to come prepared right i know to come with uh with with a with a plot you know mm. get how, there early how do i stay out of the way you know how do i stay yeah, out of the way? Make, there you go yeah. make yourself yeah. useful yeah. you know in that in that way i i love it i i, I grew up Unfortunately, became friends with some of the guys in Little Feet, and and uh, and I always love oh, wow. I, I love how Lord George would always say his one line was "space is a place." <laughs> I always love that. Yeah, but, uh, hey, that's a good one, man. David. Uh, Dave, I, I have to tell you, it's this has been such a a, a great uh, podcast for oh, us. It's you, such a joy well, to be able to talk to you, and uh, thank you for all the great uh, inspiration that you've given me and my band and our fellow Philadelphians and people all around the world. And um, I, I, I'm planning on coming up to, to Boston to visit the Silsian people. I'm going to give you a jingle. Maybe we have some coffee when we're up there. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be it's, great it's, to see it. It's, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, next time you're, you're coming up, let yeah. me know we'll in, in an advance. And if I'm around, I'd love to hook up. We should, be great. Uh, worst case scenario, we could meet there or, yeah. or, or somewhere nearby. Yeah, love to do it, Dave. Yeah, love to do it. Yeah, Dave, thank you so much. Just as a music fan and, and a fan of some of the people that you've played with and, the, and, the, and some of the songs and records yeah. you've played on, this was a great honor for me, too, to have you on. So, and, uh, Andy was, when I told Andy we had you on uh, as a guest, he was he was very happy about that when he yeah. said, oh, my God, we looked at the credits he goes oh my god he's played with everybody said, so. everybody worthwhile that's for sure yeah. so. <laughs> you're that's too sure. kind you're yeah. too kind yeah. both of you thanks I, so I much really Dave. appreciate thanks thanks for inviting me on the show i really uh, appreciate it we'll send you a link so you can listen we'll yep. talk to you soon Continued wonderful good luck thanks thanks thank again you. dave take care you guys All thank you, you. All right, cheers. All right. pip pip yeah, he was he was great dave he, yeah, he was yeah. he was i mean yeah, yeah. i mean just Wow, the stories he could tell, and yeah. Yeah, but he's not, but he's so down to earth. Like a lot totally. of, I mean, it's it's not, yeah, yeah. it's just it's all it's all about the music. You know, it, and when you've worked with Jimmy Page, yeah. and had it like a, they're, they're mates, man. Yeah. I mean, that's what's that's the cool thing when you get somebody on that you know he didn't look at Jimmy like oh it's Jimmy Led Zeppelin. It's 
his, his pal, Jimmy Page, oh, who right. he created music with, right. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's a remark. But I loved his talking about Bobby Graham and Clem Clutaney. Kenny Kenny's going to love this podcast. My buddy Aronson and oh, I sure. chat about yeah. stuff. It was great. Well, I think a lot of people will. Yeah. Uh, so now the uh, the Where's Dave uh, segment of the show that we uh, yeah, introduced about two weeks ago. Dave? Where's Dave? It looks like you are going to be at uh, the Hard Rock Cafe with the bar band on March 13th. March 13th with Steve Butler, Kenny Aronson, uh, Wally Smith, Greg Davis, and myself. I heard the, I couldn't make it, but the last bar band show at, uh, out in Wayne the other the night. Wayne Winkle was, with heard, us, man. I heard it was yeah, tremendous. Rocking. So go, ch- and, uh, go down to Lang City. It's a free show down in Lang City. Free. You come in, Rock, so, spend yeah. some money. It's never free when you go well, to the casino. It's not free when you go to Lang City. But the music. Music will be free, exactly. so yeah, go see Dave. Yeah. And of course, uh, still coming up on May 23rd, uh, Hoagie Nation, Man, yeah. the Man Center, John Daryl Hall and John Oates, uh, the Hooters. Squeeze. They just announced the Quaker, uh, the oh, yeah. Quaker Town, where the Hooters are going to play in August. They just announced that, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, so you'll you'll be able to find Dave uh, several places yeah. over, over the summer. A big year for you guys. Big year big, for Dave. Yeah, yeah. Big year for the Hooters. Ready to work. 40th anniversary. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, uh, we're out of time. So I want to thank Taylor, the producers, thank as, you, Taylor. as always, doing a great job. I want to thank Wildfire Radio. I want to thank Philly Rock Radio. And uh, I do, School once again, want to thank our sponsors, uh, School of Rock uh, Mainline in Berwyn. Uh, Kroger 20% Percussion off. and get, yeah, mention the podcast, get 20% off at the School of Rock. Absolutely. Croker Percussion and our friend Gabriel Bernard. Yes. Uh, so thank you again uh, thank for, you for, that for the uh, great support. Well, Another one in the books. That'll wrap it up. uh, We'll see you next time on In the Pocket. And uh, have a great week, everybody. Go Sixers. (laughs) 